Good Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com mailbag podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or visit them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. Brent Hubbs, glad to have you along with us on what has become an interesting weekend uh, in the SEC. We have two cancellation, two cancel games, waiting to see test results at Ole Miss. And you got Nick Saban uh, with a positive test for COVID at Alabama. What are you guys making of the weekend? Well, I mean, Pat Forty's already laid it all out there for us. It's messy across the board in, in all aspects of football. Shut up, Pat. Like, seriously, like, this is your stick. You know, you, you live for this. I mean, who didn't think there was going to be some, some hiccups along the way? I mean, we saw it at the high school level. We saw it in Major League Baseball. I mean, like, think about it. Major League Baseball, the Marlins, the Cardinals, they come out early on in their 60-game regular season. They get hit by COVID, and you got all these, you know, guys pushing to just shut the season down what have they done they've just pushed on through had not a whole lot of hiccups since then and you know here they are in the uh the league championship series as we approach the world series so you know everybody knew there were going to be these moments where you had like a team have to miss we've seen it at the high school level brent you know i don't think either of your teams have been affected you know you both you both you guys have sons that play high school football but teams around you you're in gibbs halls had to shut down for a few weeks that's going to happen. It, it, it's the world we live in right now. But yeah, you got you got to push through. I, I think. Well, and I don't think anybody other than a couple of national people talking about. It. I mean, I, nobody's shutting down college football or shutting down the SEC. I think Rob that the SEC was certainly hoping to get further along because this creates some issues on that last open date in December. If you have continued cancellations, you know, another couple here and there that involve you know, the same team multiple times, how do you get the games in? And then if you have several that you need to reschedule, how do you prioritize what you reschedule? I think those are the challenges for Greg Sankey because, you know, is rescheduling Missouri and let's say Florida, if they were to get canceled, how much more of a priority is that than rescheduling Missouri and Vanderbilt? How how do you handle that if you're Greg Sankey? That's the interesting thing. The LSU Ole Miss game or the LSU Florida game is way more, of a, of a hot button issue because Florida is likely going to need the, the, the same number of games as potentially Georgia to have a chance to go to Atlanta. Whereas you're right, Missouri and old and Vanderbilt, it doesn't who matter. Who cares? Even Missouri and Vanderbilt fans don't care about that one. And who knows? Uh, and you, you brought up saving Brent. Who's to say that their next round of tests don't see, you know, 12 players come down with it. And all of a sudden the Alabama Georgia games and, and, and Jeff. And interesting when they're, would you make Alabama and Georgia play again on December 12th when they're going to turn around and, you know, if, if that means that we're going to turn around and play the next week in the SEC championship game anyway? That's a great point. Lots of interesting things that Greg Sankey and his staff are dealing with. They were hoping not to have to deal with it this early in the season, but Austin, you're right. Everybody knew that this was going to be a possibility and probably a likelihood as the case. Tennessee is waiting, taking their final round of tests and waiting to get their final results from their test to make sure that they're good to go for the weekend. Same for Kentucky as all the SEC teams do that on Thursday. I was going to say, sounds like somebody needs to be studying Tennessee's protocols with Jeremy coming out today and saying they they hadn't had a positive test in three weeks. That's, you know, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not saying that sarcastically. I'm saying that that's with students back on campus and players. Rob, they had half their team already test positive so they well, don't have to test too. for three months so then you only got half your team you're testing so 
I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised Saban didn't give it to himself back in the summer. Well, you only get three months on the protocol or on the um, antibody, then you have to start retesting again. So anybody that had it in June did not have to test until now, but they have to be back testing again. That's for everybody around the country, not just student athletes or coaches. That's for anybody. You get three months and then you um, are subject to having to take the test again. All right, the whole quest, though, we're giving each other six months. All right, let's. Yeah, we haven't seen anybody anyway. Um, we're all we're all in our dungeons and in, in our homes. All right, let's get to the foot to the questions here in the mailbag podcast, and this starts first with uh, Big Orange Possum. He wants to know why didn't Garrett Gray and Chandler uh, why aren't why aren't we seeing them in the backfield together against Georgia like Cheney alluded to earlier in the year? Well, I think he's playing possum. You know, he's, he's, line, you know, line, line and line and weight and ready to pounce. You know, I, you know, I, I don't know why we've not seen it. You know, they had, you know, again, they had specific, you know, sets for Malachi Weidman and Jalen Hyatt against South Carolina. And we didn't really see any of that, you know? So, I mean, you know, I, I think sometimes they, you know, kind of get into the, to the flow of a game and, and it just doesn't work out or, you know, it just not in the game plan for a particular week. Um, you know, I don't know why we've not seen more of that uh, kind of dual role. I I did like how they threw the ball to uh, Eric Gray quite a bit and Ty Chandler some at Georgia. And I think that that needs to be something uh, going forward, you see, because I think both those guys uh, can uh, benefit the team in that realm. You know, sometimes, Rob, it just it looks it looks better on the board in the meeting room than it does on the play sheet in the press box or in the coach's box on a Saturday. Um, sometimes it's just a comfort thing and um, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about all that stuff, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to roll it out there either. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, Cheney said that at a, at a quarterback club pretty much. I mean, I, I, I kind of think it's, it's a throwaway line, but I don't, but I don't think I mean, maybe they have a package, but I don't think they were, you know, Jim was sitting there back in August, you know, rubbing his hands together and cackling about the prospect of getting number eight, number three on the field at the same time and the magic they could work. Yeah, I think you're right. I think some of that was alluded more to the fact that he was, I think the, the quote from the quarterback club is like, somebody needs to check him for a heart attack. And I think he meant if one of the two wasn't on the field every play, more so than both guys being on the field at the same time. All right, let's go to Govals 21. Uh, AP, what does the O-line board look like now? Also, any recruits who may have passed on as a priority earlier that may take another run at now? Let's start with number two, because I want to ask the question this way. Given the fact that you can't take visits and you can't go see kids and kids can't come see you and meet with you face-to-face, is it harder to get back on a kid that maybe was pretty hot on you earlier, but you had him down the list and maybe you haven't had a whole lot of dialogue with him? Is it hard to ramp it back up here at the finish line without face-to-face contact? Yeah, I think it's different. Uh, You know, I'm not going to say it's not doable, but I definitely think that part's different. Um, You know, again, Tennessee's going to, you know, I mean, they're still talking, they still talk to Junior Colson. I mean, I think that's a a long shot, but, you know, I wouldn't totally rule it out. Um, You know, they still talk to a handful of kids um, that are committed elsewhere or, uh, you know, Tennessee had further down the board. I'm sure that they'll take another hard run at Rod Orr you know, would be shocked if they don't between now and December. Um, elsewhere, you know, I could look and see Tennessee uh, just kind of holding a spot and waiting on the one-time transfer. Yeah, I think, uh, a, I think a lot of people should do that. Yeah, we've talked about that before. I think that makes the most sense. Um, you know, we got a couple of basketball would questions. You rather take, would you rather take somebody that you've recruited before 
and you know who kind of who they are, even if they've not panned out or or had an issue at another school, versus just taking a body to take a body. I mean, you know, it it it, it just makes sure. sense. Well, particularly too, if you can get with the one-time transfer rule, provided it goes through, if you say you get a kid from Texas or or somewhere outside the conference, but he's got three to play three, okay, or three to play four, four to play three. Excuse me, I said that I said that wrong. Um, that makes that makes more sense than just to take a big body, just to take a body, Austin, which is exactly what you're yeah. saying, and I agree with that 100. percent All right, UT Sportsman 16 wants to know why is Tennessee so bad covering the middle of the field? Is that a scheme issue, talent issue, or inexperience? Probably doesn't help that our linebackers aren't very long or very tall. Thought this was interesting. Jeremy Pruitt was asked about this on uh, Vol calls on Wednesday night, and he he broke down two plays. Uh, two third down plays where they gave up a slant and they gave up a touchdown. And um, are these the Schamberger plays? He broke them down as a bust. Yeah, at the star position <laughs> is, is what he alluded to was that um, they had a check in and and somebody didn't check. Meaning I mean, Schamberger didn't he, check. He just killed right off on that on that run back. And I mean, you know, he he took motion. I think I think on both plays he mentioned motion bothered them because. The, the motion meant there was a check to be made and the check got made, but not everybody played the check is what it sounded like. And that everybody and what he alluded to on ball calls was on Schamberger. So I think it starts there, Rob. They got to get better at the nickel position or the star position. We all know Jeremy Banks and, and Q Crouch have to improve, you know, in, in pass coverage. And I think the safeties have been a little, uh, have been late at times. I, I think there's some, been some plays where the safety could have erased something but because they were late reacting, they could not relate or, or erase a bad play by somebody in front of them. I agree with all that. I mean, I, and I, with that said, I think, you know, Flowers dropped the interception on Saturday. Outside of that, I, I think he's played pretty well. And I, I've been impressed with, you know, the, how, how he showed up. I mean, I think we all thought he had some ability and couldn't stay healthy, but I think he's off to a nice start. Dropped interception aside. And I also think pass coverage is not Henry's strong suit. I mean, he's a thumper. I mean, big time. I'm not, I'm not saying he's bad at it, but that's that's certainly not, you know, his forte. Yeah, and he's certainly early in that game on, on the arrow route by the running back, you know, um, was not ready for that. He got caught flat-footed at, at that point in time. But I, I think it's a combination of things. I don't think it's a scheme thing because they didn't have those issues last year. Nigel erased some things in the middle of the field. Shamburger sure. certainly played better. Um and they, I think they masked some of the linebacker issues because it was Henry and pass coverage at linebacker along with, with Daniel. Yeah, Petulli. and Batuli's not going to be right. You know, nobody's idea of a pass coverage specialist at linebacker. So I think there's I think it's more star and, and safety guys that need to step up and, and help and, and clean some things up there. All right, I can't believe I'm going to ask this question. This comes from P. Fortenberry, whoever that guy is. He asked some soccer question that – do you guys want to address the soccer question or you just want to ignore the soccer question? Does anybody have a, does anybody have a thought on soccer? No, we don't watch football. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So here's I, don't, his, I don't know anything about either, either one of those here's teams. Here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Everton, terrible. I know the West High School girls soccer team is pretty solid. That's, that's about the extent of my knowledge. All right. Well, the Gibbs Lady Eagles soccer team is undefeated heading in for a district championship match tonight. So, big, big matchup coming up against Granger tonight for the district championship. All right. Let's is Dustin Minot involved in, in that at all? Has he got a hand in that I, at all? 
I think he wears a cheerleading outfit during the game as a cheerleader, but no, he's not involved in coaching that deal there. All right, let's go to key, his, his real football question. Keys to not letting Georgia beat you twice. I, I don't think you have to worry about that in this situation. First of all, this team's bounced back from losses before, okay? It's not like this is a shattered team because they lost a football game. But I think to avoid that, you want to get off to a good start. And it is a noon game. Uh, you want to get out of the out of the gates, and you want to play with some emotion and and get going that way. But I, I don't have really any concerns about this team with a hangover from losing that football game because it's not like it's not like Terrence Cody blocked a field goal with his belly at the end of the game when you're going to upset the number one team in the country. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if it, you go off of what the head coach says, though, that each year is different. This team's not overcame a loss yet. No, I, I think Jeremy's good about that. I mean, I, I based that on – I mean, last year after that Florida game, I mean, they lose, what, 34-3, to 38-3. to three. I mean, weren't even competitive. You know, people had – I mean, they're, they're, they're one and three next in well, September. That, at that point, they were they – were, that was when all the talk about Phillip taking over. and Yeah, nobody. I mean, like, Jeremy – I didn't – I mean, plenty of people thought Jeremy wasn't going to make it to year three at that point. And then – I mean, the, the way he got them to buy in after that, I mean, yeah, I mean, they lost to Georgia the next week, but they played, a, you know, played a lot better. And then we all know what happened. And I just, I just think he's good about, you know, getting, getting guys to move on and focus on the task at hand. All right. Let's go to Peyton for Prez. Do you feel like we missed in this 21 class on big men in football? We need big men like Ben Cleveland and the Davis kid from Georgia if we expect to compete with them. Also with uh, Zion Lowe barely playing and Bill Norton barely playing, but Joseph and Barron and O. Thomas getting some reps. Is this something that the coaches are selling to recruits on the defensive line? Yeah, I, I don't – you know, I, I know going forward Tennessee can't, like, have a, this lull. Like, I mean – but with that said, it, Tennessee's current offensive line has the same guys just like Ben Cleveland and those guys. They just got to motivate and develop. I mean, there's no reason that Tennessee's offensive line should ever have a day like they had last Saturday. Even if they have a bad game, it shouldn't be as bad as it was last Saturday. I mean, there's a reason Wanye and Darnell and and uh, Cade and Trey and I mean Brandon Kennedy. So you had four or five stars and a guy that signed with Alabama <laughs> coming out of high school starting for you. You know, they should be better. They should be motivated better. They should be developed better. And then, and so, like that, to me, like that's part on the players, but part also on the coaches. Uh, as far as the defensive line, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tennessee is very happy with what they've got out of Omari Thomas to this point. I mean, it's just been spot duty. I think they're very happy with what they got out of Tyler Barron to this point. Um, you know, and and I don't know how you don't look at that as a defensive lineman and say, you know, there's a chance to come in and play. They're playing their young kids. Um, but but as far as back to the offensive line, yeah, Tennessee's got to continue to recruit. I don't know if they missed. I think they put a lot of eggs in the Marius Mims basket after they made that huge run at him. They come up short. Um, outside of that, you know, they were never really in it, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the kid out of Memphis, out of Evangelical Christian School, Dietrich Pennington, and, uh, and, and then others. I mean, Tennessee did get a couple of these kids in state they wanted. Well, and I'll, t- I'll say this for about defensive line – that's a little bit different than offensive line because everybody's rotating so many guys. So, you know, maybe maybe Zion Logue's not playing a ton of snaps, but he is playing, you know. And so, I, yes, you can come in and tell a kid, hey, you're going to play early, but everybody's telling a kid that because on the defensive line, they rotate so much more than they do on the offensive line or other positions. I don't know that the playing time thing carries as much weight in recruiting 
at that position as maybe it does some other positions um, when you talk about using that as a selling point in recruiting. All right, Cedar Bluff Vol. Rob Lewis wants to know, with D1 Council approving extra year of eligibility, any chance you see Anasiki and or Folky return to Tennessee? Not sure either is sniffing the NBA, so Europe will always be there. Another year at Tennessee could mean pursuing their masters, which might be intriguing to them. Anything? I mean, both of them are already doing that. They're both fifth-year guys. So I don't, I don't think the masters angle is that appealing. I'll be surprised if either one of them shows back up. I mean, maybe, but I mean, both of those guys are going to have professional opportunities. I mean, certainly John, I don't, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be an NBA draft pick, but I also wouldn't completely rule it out if he could you know, show people he could knock down 15, 17 foot jumpers this year. See, I think Anasiki makes a lot of sense, more so than Fulkerson. And I mean, I just don't know, if he, you know, I mean, he's going to be 24 years old. Does a kid want to do that? I mean, I'm not saying he won't. And again, I don't know Anasiki. You know, I've not been around him at all, other than talking to him on the phone a few times in recruiting. But, I mean, we've talked about it in football. I mean, you're going to be a 24-year-old kid. I mean, you want a 24-year-old man, excuse me. I mean, do you want to be, you know, in a locker room, on a, you know, on, around, you know, 18, 19-year-old guys all the time, or you want to get on with your life? Well, I, I, uh, I think the question is, with a guy like that, do you want to get on your, with your life? Or I think, Austin, where you were going here is, do you feel like, hey, if I had two years – under Rick Barnes from a development standpoint, looking at the way he's developed guys, can he help me professionally in basketball to be more than just a rebounder, you know, and that, that I broaden my game, which gives me a chance to make more money professionally. Maybe I'm not going to be an NBA player, but maybe I help myself, you know, get a better contract or a better opportunity. And I guess it depends on how much does he love it here. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean like, he, he, here? he just he got here. I know he I know he came here when you know his sister played here, but he was a kid then. Like he's actually getting to go through the college experience now. You know, everybody views things differently. So I mean, like I, I don't think Fulkerson would, but I mean, I, I'm not gonna say uh, you, you can definitively say that neither wouldn't want to come back. If well, and, and right, you can't defend it. I'm just saying I doubt it. Yeah. I, I, well, guys will have to play, play in Europe. And make you, you can make a very nice living for yourself over there. All right, the, go I'll ahead. Take a bet right here on the podcast. Bet? Yeah, I, I bet neither I'll one. Take, I'll take at least one, if not both. I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll set the over under at point five and take under. Okay, I'll take the over. What are we betting? AP, I will play a round of golf. Ooh, that's so worth it. That is so worth it. Whoa. And AP, you have to eat a medium rare steak. Okay, I can do that. That's easy. <laughs> All right, that, that, that's done. That is done. And and who who is it that that Welch is on the bet on the board? You're you. This is, we're going to learn. We're, we're going to have video evidence to prove that we're not like you. I forget who Welch is on their bet on the board. Is it Beatty? I don't know. I don't know. Let's go to Carl eighty two with a basketball recruiting question. Uh, Rob, where does Tennessee stand with Caleb Houston and Charles? Bidiaco? Bidiaco, there you go. I, I, I think the ship sell on both. Houston, he's six eight. He thinks he's a he thinks he's a guard. He, he's a wing. When Tennessee took Jemai Meshack, um, I think that that meant they weren't getting Houston. And I, you know, about their chance with the Houston, I, I think they would have slow played Meshack. Um, Bidiaco, I mean Tennessee's still recruiting him, but just based off conversations I've had in the last little bit. I don't think Tennessee feels great about their chances there. So I'll be surprised. If, definitely not on Houston. Very doubtful on Bidiaco. Big uh, shout out to Carl 82, though. That's uh, my guy. Played Sawgrass with him. Nice guy. 
Carl's got a question. What anybody on the GQ says. He's got a question for you too, there, okay. um, Mr. Name Dropper, um, Austin Price. Uh, where does uh, Carl wants to know where does Tennessee stand with uh, Malone, Christian Zachary, and Christian Charles? Well, uh, Christian Charles uh, uh, does he's in great shape with um, Taiwan Malone. I think it's them or Ole Miss. Um, I think Tennessee is is in a really good shot space there. Um, and then, uh, you know, to be right there at the end. Now, will they get him? Ole Miss has got a couple of guys that are playing football and baseball. Um, so I think that's appealing. Uh, but I think he really likes Vitello and he likes Jeremy and the defensive staff. So uh, I think it's the, between Tennessee and Ole Miss at this point. And Christian Zachary isn't coming here and then going in this league. That's all I can say. All right. Let's go to I Heart Balls. He wants to know, is JG's psyche so fragile that he can't be pulled? I have no idea why you come up with that because he was pulled multiple times last year, went back in and finished games for Tennessee, even games he was pulled His out of. His psyche probably the most, the most hardened. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you're playing for this head coach if, you're, if your psyche can't, you know, can't take it. And again, again, the fact that he came back and was a part of this team after the Alabama debacle, which most of us didn't think was going to happen, I don't worry about his psyche if you take him out of the game, even in mop-up duty. Now, what I think what iHeart wants to know is why is Jim Chaney not playing a, a second quarterback when he's had the opportunity to in mop-up duty against Missouri and, and Georgia? And I think that's a fair question. I don't think it has anything to do with J.G.'s psyche. I just think it's – I don't know why Jim's not taking a chance to get a guy at least a couple of snaps just in case you have to have somebody. Second question for my heart balls. Are we sure Chaney is a quarterback whisperer? He chose from over fields and from didn't appear to make a huge leap in year two under Jim Chaney. Um, from was pretty good. I think Tennessee fans would probably like to have that kind of quarterback production. Um, here's what I'll say about Jim Chaney. I watched what he did with Jonathan Crompton and I saw what he did with Nathan Peterman. So based on my experiences of knowing those two guys, where's the psyche of Nathan Peterman was when Jim Chaney got him and got him into the National Football League and where the psyche of Jonathan Crompton was when they got a hold of him there. And Lane Kiffin had a huge part of the Crompton deal as well. I get that. But those two guys tell me that Jim Chaney can handle quarterbacks, in my opinion. And what now, about – I mean, Tyler Bray, not the most disciplined, dedicated you know, <laughs> dude out there, to put it mildly. And Jim got a lot of production out of him. Yep, he, cer he certainly did. All right, Volunteered87 wants to know, Kentucky started off the season with one of the top O-lines in the SEC on paper. Uh, have they lived up to the hype based on the film you've watched, media's viewpoint of them? Second question, has this team and coaching staff's mental bounce back from UGA exceeded, met, or fell short of what you'd expect? Obviously, we won't know for sure. It'll kick off on Saturday, but it does seem to be lingering quite a bit, even if not discussed. Do you feel like it's an afterthought at this point? I don't know what's lingering. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's been asked questions about Georgia in his two media sessions, and he's answered those questions about it. Uh, but he's also talked extensively about Kentucky. Again, I said it earlier I, because Paul asked that question. I just don't think that's an issue. Now, if I mean, Tennessee, that doesn't guarantee Tennessee's going to win, but I don't think Tennessee's going to be flat, deflated, uninspired to play or, you know, you know, dragging themselves out on the field because they lost to Georgia on Saturday. They were a two touchdown underdog in that game and, and they, they got it handed to them in, in the second half. But I, I don't think that means they're going to pack up and go home and quit because I don't think that's the culture that this coaching staff, particularly Jeremy Pruitt has uh, put together. What are your thoughts on Kentucky's offensive line? 
I mean, they're leading the SEC in rushing at 212 yards a game when everybody knows that they can't throw it 20 yards down the field. So that, that tells me the, their offensive line is, is pretty solid. Now, they've not played any of what I would call the top defenses in the league yet. But when, when you've got no real threat of a passing game and you're still rushing for, you know, 200-plus, that tells me that, that they're pretty decent. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're bad at all. Um, you know, and again, I think schematically they do some things that cause people problems with what their running game is with some of the option looks and, and stuff that they, you know, run that offense out of. Charlie Work wants to know, how many points do we have to go up over Kentucky before the coaches will give a backup some reps? How many points do you have to go down? I think it's Talking easier. about quarterbacks? Yeah, I think that's um, – Four touchdowns. If you Were go you surprised that they didn't give anybody like the last series or two Saturday. Sure. Yeah, I was. Yes. Me too. Yeah. I mean, absolutely it was. I mean, look, I think I think the 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 leash or the hook is a little quicker if you're playing poorly. Um, you know, I, I don't know that they're gonna trot a bunch of guys out there or trot somebody out there at the end of a game um to hand it off because of what they've done the last two games. But we'll see. That might change. Um last couple questions here and then we're out the door. Uh, will we get to see some of the freshman running backs involved? Maybe D Beckwith or T Hodge, some downhill running. Um, also, why does Coach never run? Coach Cheney never run any running back screens. I think maybe I've seen one, but they haven't used many of them. They tried two or three screens on Saturday to no up. avail, to no avail at all. And they had a touchdown on one against Missouri. Yeah. Um, Austin, your thoughts on D Beckwith or T Hodge? I still think we're you know, a week or two away from those guys seeing any kind of action. Um, you know, maybe I'll be surprised, but I, I still think that, you know, we're probably – and probably most, probably most realistic coming out of the bye. So, November. Were, um, you, were you surprised to hear Pruitt say on Volkos, Bryson Eason might get a little run at, at outside linebacker? No, they like him, and they, they love Tamarion McDonald. I, that, again, I always find it interesting when you look at, you know, out of those Memphis kids, Small was kind of like the throw-in with Omari – you know, McDonald was the last of the kind of three with the, the, the Whitehaven three. And, you know, they end up, you know, liking those two kids as much as they, as they do anybody. Speaking of, speaking of the outside linebacker position, can we, can we have just a moment of silence for Volk and J.J. Peterson? Oh, well, yeah, that's – you know, we'll see what happens there. It doesn't sound like – I mean, hey, I don't that think – It does ever, not sound like he's coming back. No, it does not. Um, it does not sound like that's going to be the case at all. And – Unfortunate because the guy's got a lot of athletic ability, but it never clicked at the college game for, for him. He got here late, got off to a rocky start, and it, it never got going at, at all for him. And it doesn't sound like it's ever going to get going for him. All right, last question here. Daglio7 wants to know, who do you believe are the top recruits on Tennessee's board right now? Who do you think Tennessee needs to get the most in this class? <laughs> I mean, hey, did like, you know that Bassmaster Ball had two accounts? It's like my it's like my plight each week, like you know, uh, riding the war room, which is like you know a regurgitation of the same like, four or five kids. Day. And, and nothing ever changes. I mean, like you know, they you know Mims is off to Georgia. I would take Nyland Green to go to Georgia at this point, although I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think Tennessee's still wedged in there pretty decent. I don't. It smells like all the momentum for Tennessee went out of the or the Smile Munden train. Um, obviously, they still have a dialogue with him, but, you know, just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of momentum there. Um, we've already highlighted Christian Zachary ain't going to go in this league. 
I'm not sure if he'll go in any league he's going to be predicted in either. What, what um, about TID? TID, he's told every school he's coming, okay? So, like, I think he told Georgia this past weekend he's coming, even though he didn't make it to the game. I, nothing would surprise me. I would still lean Georgia. But, again, he's literally told South Carolina he's coming, Tennessee he's coming. I think he even told North Carolina he's coming because of all those kids over there. So, I mean, like, you know, with a kid like that, you just never know what he's going to pull out. All right, um, let me let me ask this question because this didn't get asked about. But instead of running down where the board and this that and the other, um, what did you make of the uh, the Evans kid tweet um, on Sunday on Saturday? Uh, you talking about, about Missouri? Do what? Tyree about Missouri? No, I'm talking about the tweet about Orange looking good that that he tweeted out the JUCO running back who decommitted. What do you make of that? Oh, uh, you know. Uh, the last thing I saw him tweet out was a, 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 a graphic for Missouri. So I was oh, okay. Um, you know, Tennessee still talks to tie on, but I mean, like, you know, there's a notion there that he might not be able to get out until May now. Um, you know, we'll see, you know, I, I know they'd still love to have him back in this class. They'd love to have that three headed monster of Cody Brown and, you know, Jalen Wright and, and then tie on Evans because it just, you know, it's a good, it'd be a good looking trio of backs. Yeah, Cody Brown, by the way, having a really nice year down in Georgia from everything I've read and seen in terms of what he's getting done. Not so a lot of running backs on the roster next year. It is a lot of running backs on the roster, but they need a they need a downhill heavy guy, I think. I mean, I think they need a, they need a, a guy who can pound it between the tackles better than the two that they're playing with right now. So, uh, I agree. I think Cody Brown is maybe the most important member of the class. Yeah, he's certainly a big part of things, no doubt. Hey, let me tell you quickly about our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Remember, if you're in the market or in the need for any repair or a new system or anything like that with your HVAC unit, Blue Water Climate Control is going to take care of you. They're going to send a, a trained technician out to look at whatever you've got, whatever you need. They're not just going to sell you on something, but they're going to give you exactly what you need, whether it's a minor repair or a major repair. They've got the uh, financing for you. Uh, all the things that you need to make sure you're at com in comfort with cold winter coming in. Uh, still got some air conditioning days out there. So whatever you need for your HVAC needs, Blue Water Climate Control can take care of you. You can book an appointment online or you can give them a call at 865-299-2290. Check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. That's going to do it for this mailbag edition of the podcast. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.